Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, and that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I didn't get to I'm like to your mom was uh, You said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Not wearing a mariachi suit. I don't know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bagging Boardcast, a podcast that makes bad decisions so you don't have to. I'm Chris. I'm John. I'm Paul. And we're a weekly nerd podcast that comes to you in four ways. The first being the Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the week. Next is uh, the list where we talk about the comic books coming out the week of May 11th. Uh, our main topic, which is always a rotating topic, this week we are discussing the Brightest Day miniseries. And then we cross the street over to Marvel to catch a movie in our movie fix, Thor. Thor. Which all three members of the podcast saw. Yay! I got tickets for free for my birthday. Yay! As in all things, we always start off the podcast with drinking, and if you're wondering what bad decisions I was talking about <laughs> making, this is probably it. It's Mamma Mia Pizza Beer! It's an ale brewed with oregano, basil, tomato, and garlic. And right off the nose, it smells like the vinegar that you use to dye eggs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it might just that we got really old beer. It was buy one, get one free. So we're like, well, let's buy for the podcast. The the smell's a lot worse Mm -hmm. because when you you sip it, you don't get too much, which is good because I was gagging just thinking about this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. oh yeah, yeah! You can't have your mouth open when you pour it back because yeah. it just wafts, and that smell is disgusting. Yeah, and bad. There's. I love. I was going a... back for more. I had like one sip of it, and I was well, like, "I got to give it a fair shake." The, I've, I've tried. The greatest thing I is, have the worst gag reflex of all of us. And we we're in the beer store. We're just getting beer for Cinco de Mayo. The the guy selling the beer goes. You guys like to try interesting stuff? We're like, sure. You know, we're always up for trying a different kind of beer. Yeah. And I'm he's done. like, uh, he goes, uh, oh, we got pizza beer. I go, does it taste like pizza? He goes, kind of tastes garlicky. This is the type of beer that if you had an enemy, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't have them drink it because that's too mean. But you would break the bottles in their in in their driveway. Well, what we ma- <laughs> we made a big mistake, guys, because this is beer so good it deserves a wine glass. Um, it deserves just to be thrown out, and then you whine about spending the four um, bucks for the two <laughs> bottles. <laughs> Do not like if you just let it sit in your mouth, mm-hmm. like you get that tomato taste. I get a little something. I don't know, get a little I, garlic, I guess. But I couldn't. That's about it. I couldn't do it. This just. I kept getting too much of the the smell of it when I was trying to drink it, and I I can't. It's ridiculous. It really is. Oh. I mean, I'm glad. Like, I'm glad we got it because it's fun and it was gross. Yeah. It's all about trying different stuff, and <laughs> honestly, I can I can definitely say worst beer we've had on the podcast. I'm, I'm throwing it towards yeah, us. yeah. I would go oh, yeah. worst beer. So I, I'd say even worse than the uh, the Hebrew that we had like <laughs> forever ago that producer Scott picked up because that Actually, was that wasn't horrible. That was just like really like teriyaki. teriyaki. So this is a front to beer. This is an enemy of beer. Yes, yeah. Chef Tom and Chef. Shaw, 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 Antonia, Athena, Athena. 
Uh, who knows? Bad. Shame on you. Yeah, it's um, brewed by uh, Sprecher, or Sprecher, and it's the original Seaforth family. I'm guessing Tom and Athena are the people that created this. And I just have to know why. Why did you <laughs> seek to let loose why this upon the world? Why have you forsaken us? Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe that's put that up for. Maybe. Oh, I thought you wanted more. Oh, no, God, Just no. About four more into your glass. Gross. And while he does that, we'll walk over and start the podcast with the Weekend Geek. Uh, talking about guns. Wait, wait, I need to walk over there. <laughs> okay. Now I'm there. Okay. Talking about guns. Did you see the new Super Soakers? No. And guess what they have now with them? Bullets. Magazine clips. What? Magazine clips to fill up. So uh, it comes with a easy-to-fill spot on the side, and uh, when it clicks into the gun, the gun actually has the ports that actually, you know, suck in water. Yeah. And uh, for this model, which I'm looking at here, it costs $15. It's the Thunderstorm. It costs 15 bucks, and it takes four AA batteries, so there's no pumping required. So all battery-operated, and it... uh, Apparently, Nerf. Nerf. good. Yeah, because Super Soaker bought out Nerf, I believe, last year. Super Soaker did? Yeah. No, Nerf bought out Super Soaker. Oh. As broke. I was surprised about that. Yeah. I think it's sweet. I think it's cool. That's cool. For 15 bucks, that's a whole new element. And the magazine clips are supposed to be interchangeable with a whole series of guns that they'll be coming out with. I think it's just more interesting to actually like shoot out streams of bullets. I know uh, or of water, not bullets, but I know Super Soaker had one that, you know, you would press down and would send out, like, a blast of water and not just a steady stream, like a fire hose. Hmm. So I think it would be cooler to do that, where it feels more like you're tagging somebody. I just think it's great that someone's still working on developing squirt gun, squirt gun technology. <laughs> well, I just remember the original Super Soaker. It's like you pump up, pump up, pump up, and then try to shoot, and it would just, like, fizzle out. Like I, I never, I had, never had that happen with my yeah. super soakers. Really, I just yeah. had like yeah. what kind of pansy ass pumping were you doing? Well, I'm. Everyone did, did you have a leak in like that back tank that built up the pressure? I might have. Yeah, that's probably what happened. That's all I can I think. Mean, I, you should get your prostate examined. Ooh, that back tank for your super soaker. Ooh. You got some blockage. It's messing with your flow. Man, my flow. I don't have any news stories. Nothing? I really don't have anything. Because all the stuff that I saw, I figured John would talk about. Yeah. Like the casting for uh, Powers? Didn't see it. Well, they actually are casting for Powers, and I dropped down that news story because I thought John would have it too. <laughs> yeah. Or the uh, the supposed picks of the uh, Lazarus pits. Yeah, for that's, that's what I was going to mention. Okay, go ahead. And I'll bring up the Powers <laughs> casting news. Um... Aerial shots, which people are saying are from the Batman uh, Dark Knight Rises, big green pits. So we can only... Well, they're green because it's the special effects like green screen. Ah. So it's going to be computer generated later. So, we have that. There is that. Uh, Do we want Lazarus pits? I, th- I think it makes sense. I mean, when you go I, from... I think you have to. To bring in a supernatural element to a non-supernatural kind of realm. Or, and is it also a weird place to end the series with? You know, bring in a Lazarus, Lazarus Pits and already saying that the Raza Ghoul elements are going to be flashbacks. 
it seems more like it would you bring that in to tease another movie with Roz coming back. More so than, you know, you know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. I mean, I think, I mean, they maybe just, they just sat down and just said, well, this is the story that's really flowing for us and what is working. Wait. Who knows? Like, what? When they sat down to write a story, uh-huh. I mean, they could have had other characters in mind and then started with something and just said, this is what really is flowing and what we're really able to write. I'm just like using the word flow today. I yeah, yeah. I don't get I used it like twice. Yeah. Twice more than you usually do. But I, I, I don't understand how that story would flow, seeing as it... it we like, were in um, the writing process. Who knows how... Maybe they had other scripts with other characters and they just didn't feel they were up to snuff and they... Said, well, well, maybe we should go with this element, and then started to flow. Which element? The Lazarus pit? Yeah, or just uh, bring back Ra's al Ghul. In this movie. In this movie. And just said, you know what? It's really working. Everything's really coming together. Or it we'll could go that way. possibly be for something at the end of the movie. You don't know But if it's at the end so. of the movie, it would be weird, since it's only... <clears throat> they said that it's only the three movies. This is the finale, finale of the trilogy... So if it's at the end of the movie, it seems like that's teasing a movie that we won't get. Well, I feel like no matter what they finish off on, it's always going to be kind of like teasing something. Really? I, I think so. Okay. It's it, You're not going to have like a completion to the series. It's not going to be like bookended. It's going to have something like left open for whenever they do another one. A new director comes on? Yeah. See, I, I would think that Christopher Nolan would want a bookend would want to complete the series, well, his, his trilogy. You, or you, you leave it open for everyone to always go, man, I wish Christopher Nolan would do another film. Yeah. I wish. That's... I wish. And then you get the next Batman movie, and you're like, fucking Nolan, I wish he was back. I wish <laughs> he was doing it. So, who knows? Yeah. Just, I feel like if he does that, that paints the guy that comes on next into a corner to have to do play Christopher Nolan's game. Instead of closing off Christopher but they, I mean, they've said that they're going to do a reboot anyways. <laughs> a reboot? What? Yeah, they, they announced. No, I didn't even They announced that, that um, I think it was right after we got the name of uh, Gordon Levitt's character. They announced that they were going to be doing a, a they're going to reboot it, and af- with the reboot, it's going to go into the Justice League movie. What? They mentioned that weeks ago. I didn't hear anything about that. I actually had a discussion on the Red Phone Zone about it. So they announced that they're going to reboot Batman again? Mm-hmm. So it's no longer the Batman Begins? Yeah. That seems bigger news than you're, like, giving it. You're I like, don't know. You know, it's, that, that's what they said. That's it. That's what they said. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. That's what they announced that that's their plan. Who knows if that's where they're going to go? And Nolan still, I think Nolan said that he is probably still going to be like godfathering that project, like he is Superman. All right. So, what's the point of rebooting it? To have it into I don't know to have it into the realm of the other movies to do the Justice League, like how <laughs> Marvel's doing. Well, it's not really necessary <laughs> to do though because the Batman rolls open enough. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it really makes no sense to have Lazarus Pitts in this movie if they're just going to reboot it in yeah. the next movie. But apparently there's some flow that they got going with this story. Who knows? They right. have a flow. There's a flow. flow. Which I just didn't understand what you meant because it just seems weird. You got YouTube. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess I did. YouTube. Charles S. Dalton. Or 
Ducktown. Uh, known for his roles in Alien 3, will be in Powers, the FX adaptation. Um, he's going to be playing Chris Captain Cross. Captain Cross, who's the uh, head of the Homicide Division. So he's going to be the boss of Kristen Walker and Ian Pilgrim. I, I don't read Powers. John, you're, you're the Powers fan. I haven't read Powers... In probably like almost ten years. Wow. He looks forward to it. <laughs> I haven't looked forward to a Powers book in eight but, years. But you're a big fan of Ryan Michael Bendis. You just picked up his new book, Moon Knight. I didn't get that at a comic book store this week. <laughs> he says you were going to buy it this week. It, I think it's in my pull list. Okay. I think, I'm pretty sure I ordered it because I wanted to check it out. But what, what were you bringing up? It's more news because we're actually now getting casting that Powers is coming. Mm. So this makes it seem more real because this has been talked about forever. It's been bandied about. It was at HBO. It was going to maybe go to Showtime. And now it's fine. it landed at FX. And now that they're actually casting, it means we're actually going to get a, a pilot is going to be made. made. In which will definitely end up out there for us to watch. Somehow. If the show doesn't succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... That's that's why I bring it up because it's, I'm excited to see at least something I, come from it. I don't think it's going to be good. No, I, like, I don't know. I like Powers as a comic book, but I don't know. I don't think it's something that's going to transfer well to like a show. Because how long can you be chased by zombies for? I mean, <laughs> I just I don't know. Like. It's, it, I don't know. It's, it's about, about the about characters, it. you know. It's yeah, it's, it's it about the characters, and you love those shows about the characters. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I'm just What's looking at here? like superhero TV as a whole, just not being too good. Mm-hmm. And it's such a big part of what Powers is that it's going to come off. I think as like a little campy. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't know how it's going to turn out. FX puts money behind these shows. Yeah, like Blade. Yeah. No, that was Spike. Uh, Yeah, that was was Spike. 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 Oh! Oh, I'm sorry, like the League. Or Testes. Testes. But, I mean, they're they're bigger, hour-long shows. uh, Damages, Mm -hmm. The Shield. Justified. Justified. I mean... I haven't watched any of those. Do any of them involve superheroes? No. But they all... They all all are Mm crime-based. And have all been highly received... How much of Powers is actually about crime, though? It's about the detective work behind solving murders in superhero Superhero. communities. It's it's more based on the powers, though. You never know how you're going to get. I know, but I'm just... It's not going to work. Calling it. Calling (laughs) it. The official bagboard stance. Yeah, I'm... Well, it's not the bagboard, it's mine. (laughs) I'm just... It's... No. Alright. No. It's, it's going to be like the cape. Oh, the cape. A, a film that we're not sure how it's been received. We got the initial uh, readings, initial numbers for the opening weekend. It's part of our summer blockbuster boards. Board, Magnum Boardcast <laughs> blockbuster bracket buster. Thor's opening weekend is coming out uh, in at an estimated $66 million. Will that be enough to hold off the Hangover Part Two? I think so. 
passively for your opening weekend. Yeah. Do you, you think so? Oh, you yeah. think it's big enough? It is $20 million less than Fast and Five, the Fast Five. And it is... The Fast Five came out a while April 29th. Yeah. yeah. No, no, for their opening weekend. Oh, okay. I'm just doing opening weekends. And it is the third... But it is the third largest new Marvel franchise to be launched behind Spider-Man, uh, Hulk, and Iron Man. Those opening weekends. So it did better than, you know, the powerhouses that are Daredevil, Elektra, and Ghost Rider. So it's in the middling of the pack kind of deal. We have to say it was, in, you know, fell behind top three, but it's really in the middle there. Yeah. And, and I mean, that Daredevil's an er- I mean, in Elektra, they're earlier movies. Yeah, they were February. But Iron Man had $81 million, I believe, opening weekend, the first one, or somewhere around there. So um, just something to watch out for. The Bag and Board cast. Summer movie blockbuster. Bus bracket buster. <laughs> boom. Boom. And I think that's all the news we have, if we can stop fumbling it for ourselves and move on. This beer just fucked us up. <laughs> <laughs> Not do in we, a good way. Do we want to try to correct that with another beer? I think we might have to. So when I went to pick up our next beer, I was looking for more Italian beers to go with our pizza beer, not knowing that it was going to be so horrible, but having an idea. And I couldn't find any good-looking Italian, so I went to the next best thing. Italians oh, come beautiful, on. Sir. Sophia Loren is gorgeous. I went to the next best <laughs> thing, and that's Czech Republic beer. And we have the uh, Zatek. Uh, it's a bright lager beer. And it has really no taste except I get a little bit of nickel. Hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of get that nickel Yeah. But it's like, I mean, it's like your Heineken or your Amstel. Yeah. One of those kind of beers. You can definitely tell that it was, yeah, it tastes like a Heineken almost. Yeah. They've been making beer since 2004. <laughs> what? <laughs> since 2004, yeah. They still haven't gotten it right. They have not perfected it. They have shiny labels, though. Another another millennium. They need to get at least another millennium. You know, I'm hoping in the next thousand years they'll perfect it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we got this beer. Not the worst I've had today. No, (laughs) surprisingly not. Yep. Uh, And something else we have are the books we're looking forward to coming out Wednesday May 11th. Indeed. Paul, what do you got going on? Uh, I've been championing this book for quite a while, and I feel like people that jumped on it just recently with the new number one might get a little lost here. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Jonathan Hickman's FF, number th- issue number three is hitting stories, and this will mark the return of the Council, which was seen way back in uh, the issues of Fantastic Four when he first took on uh, the series with Reed Richards being uh, coming back uh, face-to-face with the Council, the group of all the Reed Richards from the different parallel universes. So it's that it picking up storylines that Jonathan Hickman laid down earlier. So I'm kind of afraid that uh, all the new readers that just recently jumped on might get a little lost. But honestly, uh, go back and read those. I know they've tra- started trading them. So, and they're good, good Fantastic Four stories. <laughs> the book I'm looking forward to is one of my favorite characters, and it's uh, a Hellboy one-shot called Being Human, where it's uh, Hellboy in uh, Roger, 
in one of their first adventures together, a little prequel action, and um, the two of them going up against a witch and uh, her zombie servants. So I always like a, a quick little Hellboy book, especially right with uh, bashing some zombies. The bashing zombies. Oh man. <laughs> Paul got up and is getting his own beer. No. Hey, you guys can get a grip anything you want from the fridge. I, I may take you up on that. You this isn't him? the worst, but... I've... The Breckenridge IPA is very good. How's the vanilla porter? Uh, we had the Breckenridge vanilla porter on the show before. Chris brought it. And uh, it's not as good as... Sounds the... like something Chris would do. It's not as good as the Robach, <laughs> but I think we drink it warm. Uh, cold, you really do get the vanilla hints. So... Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. When did we have Good. that? Don't make me try to figure out. Which. I don't think we've ever had that. I'm pretty sure we did. I don't think we have. Beer bet? Beer bet. Beer bet. I'll go beer bet. And shook. Nice. I will enjoy the rest of this. Much like I'm hoping to enjoy the uh, new Red Robin book that's coming. I believe it might be number, what, 25, 26, Paul? You've been I'm kind of paying more attention to Red Robin than I have lately. Well, it is that fat... Bat Family Week, where uh, DC gets bat off of my uh, paychecks because I cash in on all those Bat Family books. I, I think Fabian Cieza does a good job on the Red Robin book. I've been enjoying <laughs> it, but it doesn't have the same push that it did when I first started. Like, well, when it first became Red Robin. Honestly, it's kind of a light week for me, and I had to kind of go through all my polls just to find something. Twenty-three. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it just because it's kind of seemed like the start of a new story. Mm-hmm. After yes. that, seven days of death. After that lame crossover between Batman, Red Robin, and Gotham City Sirens, which I didn't pick up one of those books, so I didn't get the full story. But I'm, I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that they bring back Lynx because I thought that was a very interesting uh, story choice to yeah. give him his own kind of Catwoman. Well, I'm glad they brought in um, a Scarab again, though. Yeah, they're bringing back Scarab. I mean, that, that's kind of cool, like, going back to mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't, I don't even want to say, like, earlier Robin stuff, but, you know, the Robin stories from, like, what, two years ago now? Yeah, where, where they tried to give him his own rogues gallery, and Bill Willingham came this, in and really is, tried to give him his own. Let's hope they don't bring back the Warlock's daughter. <sighs> I like the Warlock's daughter, except I did not like Tapeworm or the General. Oh, the General's or, lame. Oh, that whole story arc was really bad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, what can you do? You know, just you have to look on the bright side of things. You do. <laughs> so, we were thinking, what better way to celebrate the beginning of May than talk about a fine weekly series that wasn't so weekly. Um, DC, for the past, what, three? Four years? Four years now. Four has, years, yeah. Has started off a weekly series, or semi-weekly series. This last, starting with, of course, 52 that went then they started off did countdown. Thank you guys for, again for buying that for me for my birthday. Except I'm sorry it was an absolute shit. Hey, we we tried. The uh, thought was there. Paul. The thought was 52 there. 52 was so great and you loved it. I did love it and I plopped down all the money to buy it uh, outright and that paid off. That was a that was money well spent. Countdown. At least let you me were down. buying it. Let, yeah, let me down. Uh, so it scared me off, and I did not pick up any of Trinity. Well, I picked up a couple issues at Trinity, and it just couldn't, it didn't hook me. And then they said, hey, we're uh, going to just have Jeff Jones and Peter Tomasi doing the writing, co-writing on this feature called Brightest Day, 
and running alongside of it every other week will be uh, Judd Winnick's Justice League Generation Lost. So you'll get 26 issues to make a full year. We didn't quite get that. A series called Brightest Day coming out of the uh, the story of Blackest Night, and it'll be run uh, from May to May, and we've done it. They've done it here. Uh, they ran 24 issues. And I don't really know which weeks they missed. I don't really feel like there was a week where I did not pick up one of these two books, but I'm sure it had to have been. Um, I don't recall that. Yeah. Oh, there was actually a week in between twenty the the twenty three and twenty four, where they because they both came out together, both both uh-huh. issues, both twenty fours came out on the same week. This deals with the return of seven characters that were brought back by the light the White Lantern. Was it seven or? And they're all, they're on the, on the cover. On the cover. <laughs> no, there's more than them on the cover though. No, that was that was all of them on the cover. Yeah, but there's also twelve. Thir- yeah, twelve. Twelve. Though it doesn't really follow Black Adam's uh, little brother, Osiris. Osiris, Osiris, nor Maxwell Lord, because he gets covered in Justice, Justice League. League Generation Loss. Jade didn't show up in either of those two books. Her story really doesn't happened in Justice League. League. Osiris, yeah, didn't really happen much, except in Titans. You didn't get a lot of Zoom, either. Except for Zoom was more in uh, Flash Rebirth. So... There were story arcs that I enjoyed. There were characters that I enjoyed following. Characters that I didn't think I would go, was going to enjoy. I'm sure that happened with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure which which way is interesting going into it. I would think that would be the way. Yeah, that, uh, break it down was, by uh, what characters we actually enjoyed reading. Mm-hmm. And which ones were our least favorite. Yeah. I, I would have to say I have newfound respect for Dead Man. Uh, called a live man for most of the series by the writing staff jokingly during uh, conventions. Um, don't want to give it away if he is Dead Man again. You, you would have to read the series. We're assuming that you've read these yes. along with us. Um, Chris and I, we read these basically week to week. John, we just passed it off to you and said, good luck, buddy. Uh, yeah, and Tuesday I read two episodes, and last night I read all the rest of them. And... Um, I, I I got to a point where I think I had gotten to issue nine. And I was like, "Oh, I got a lot of books ahead of me," and then all of a sudden I was like on issue eighteen, and I was like, "Holy crap! I just I just yeah. read another nine of these, and I I didn't even realize, you know, they just really really moved." And um, yeah, the Boston brand stuff I really liked. <laughs> um, Martian Manhunter, I enjoyed that, and the Aquaman stuff. Least favorite? Least favorite? There's only basically two left. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really care about the um, the Hawkman woman stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I mean, the Firestorm stuff was kind of interesting, but it, I, huh. it didn't catch me really. I did like the stuff between Ronnie and Jason. Mm-hmm. Dead Man basically <clears throat> is the linchpin for the series. He's kind of like the one guy. Even in the beginning, he's the guy going back and forth back and forth between all the other characters that were touched by the white light. Um, he's actually given the only one that still has a white lantern ring on his finger and he can't take it off, and he was told to... By, each of these characters were given a task by the white lantern ring in order to reclaim life. They had a purpose, um, as you read. Which I thought was an interesting kind of way in for readers to be like, why Why do we care about these characters? Oh, they have something to do 
something that has to be important. And the mystery is, of course, why is it important? Which I thought was an interesting hook. Uh, it was, definitely. Um, I know I said we were going to talk about those characters, and I'm sorry I'm bouncing around, yeah. but, you know, just trying to get the conversation flowing. Chris, the characters, you? Um, I really did enjoy the Alchemist stuff. That was kind of the runaway story for me. Um, that's what I really look forward to mm-hmm. every week when I would pick the subs, like... I want there to be more Aquaman stuff. I want there to be the stuff with him and Mira. I want the Aqualad stuff. Because mm-hmm. that was all really cool. And I'm going to disagree with you, John, but I really like the Firestorm stuff. I didn't hate it, but I just... I, I really like the Martian Manhunter stuff. See, the Martian Manhunter stuff, it it lost me. Yeah. Because so many times, it's always been like, oh, I'm the last Martian. Oh, wait. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And there's always something to it. Like, I just... I kind of stopped caring. About Martian Manhunter. Like, he had some good moments in it, mm-hmm. but his pages were the ones where I would just kind of like read them and be like, mm. I have to say, the one issue where it was basically a call, Martian Manhunter, Martian Manhunter's version, and I believe even the cover, it harkens to whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. whatever happened to the Manhunter yeah. from Mars, you know, where it's his basically daydream about what what happens in his perfect world his perfect future where he becomes a Green Lantern for Mars and he, through him Mars is reborn and he's the ultimate hero. I thought that issue, issue 15, was the best Martian Manhunter story I've read in a long time. Um, just because it's him being a detective on his home, home world and it, it's a whole mental battle and it's really fleshing out who he is as a character, why he... The, what he misses, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. because you actually get to see what he actually misses from Mars because you'd never really see that. He, he says, you know, I miss my family, but you actually get to see it there. Much like in Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, you really get to see the sorrow of Superman in that story. You get to really see the sorrow of Martian Man, John Jones here. Um, but overall, his story was so insular to the book. It was so just him alone with that one girl. It didn't really play much a part to the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And by the time he gets back to Earth, it's over for him. Like, the White Lantern comes and says, uh, yeah, save the forest, and then we're going to... Move on. Move yeah. on with you. And- uh, it's it's tough because, you know what, my favorite Martian Manhunter story, it, it's the one from um, Requiem when he was dead. Like... The one where it's him fighting everybody, and it's that psychic battle that he, you know, he flashes out, and then he gets stabbed, or Requiem. No, it was the, like, the Requiem one, the one where he's actually already dead. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was his, like, funeral service mm-hmm. almost. And he gets the Oreo cookie on top of his... Yeah, like, that was probably one of the better Martian Manhunter stories I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Like, this... I, I would consider it, like, a better one than some of the stuff I've read, but... It still wouldn't yeah. really uh, register otherwise. Uh, Martian Manhunter to me is like he's a character. I ne- you never really get to see in a story, and he's a character I've always liked the idea of. So to actually get a story about him and read mm-hmm. about him, I, like I was fascinated with it because he's the character I've always liked but never read about. 
I just wish the villain that what he was set up against wasn't again another Martian mm-hmm. because it was like Chris was saying it's kind of overplayed. Yeah, and we I said it before on the podcast. I would really like to see Martian Manhunter as John Jones going through and solving those crimes that are superhero like your X Files kind of like stuff. the yeah. X Files of the DC universe. And he can only, he's the one that has to solve them because he has all those, you know, he has the psychic abilities. He can solve them because he's not from this planet. He has a galactic view. Like, he can be like, oh, I recognize this technology because, you know, traitors came from to Mars and all this other, you know, stuff like that. Like the men in black of the DC universe yeah. almost. I'd even like, I'd like the stories of him when he was a detective in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Those, like, those, I mean, you got a little bit of it in um, New Frontier, New Frontier, like that stuff. Like he's like yeah. fighting the occult and stuff with Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, like that. Yeah. That stuff. Yeah, like definitely. That's stories I would like to see. And that's where I've kind of taken that idea from. No. Um, I have to say that my favorite uh, storyline was definitely the Ronnie Raymond and uh, Jason Rush mm-hmm. Firestorm. Just them basically battling each other and just having a. It's like a sibling rivalry. Like rivalry yeah, like. yeah, like two brothers fighting each other, and they can those two people they understand what it is to be Firestorm like nobody else. So they should have this thing that they some middle ground that they both can agree on and understand. But they're so polar opposite. I thought it was very you know a great story element to bring them together under the Firestorm matrix. Yeah, especially what happened during Blackest Night with the killing of Jenny. Um, so I thought that was the most interesting character dynamic. Uh, and then secondly was definitely Boston Brand falling in love basically with Dove. And that, man, that was kind of one of, Dove is fucking adorable. That's kind of one of my other favorite little story mm-hmm. threads in it is I really did enjoy the Hawk and Dove stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Like when they were introduced in, um, See, well, the, like the new Hawk and Dove mm-hmm. together in Teen Titans, I really didn't care too much mm-hmm. about it. And then Blackest Night, you have Hawk killed, mm-hmm. and you still have Dove around, and I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And once they bring back the old, older Hawk, mm-hmm. I, I was a little bit intrigued by that. Yeah. Like, it was a good story thread. Yeah. If you want to read more Hawk and Dove, they've been in the pages of, Bird of Pre- Birds of Prey ever since the Brightest Day um, banner issues, and they were just as good there as they've been in this book. But unfortunately, you don't have Boston Brand in those pages. Actually, I, I did like the uh, the Hawkman and Hawkgirl stuff, though. Really? I, I did. That's they're my least favorite. Not not the um the stuff on Hawkworld so much, <laughs> but the stuff with them kind of fighting against the prophecy. Like, I don't know. I enjoyed them kind of like coming through yeah. everything because you get that final moment. It's like, wow, they did it, and it's like, no, sorry, you're both dead again. Yeah, like it's. A- it's just flipping it, the burger to him. Kind of that. <laughs> kind of that. Yep, this is your fate. Sorry, you're, you're never going to escape it. Um, mm-hmm. Come uh, on. I, even I at like, the end of the book, he comes back and she doesn't. Yeah, it's I. I enjoy spoilers. That. We told you. We assumed you. Yeah, read it. there's always spoilers. In fact, on the bag broadcast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like I feel like Hawkman and Hawkgirl. There's so much continuity weight on them. Mm-hmm. Like they simplified it so you know so long ago under JSA, and now to add Hawk World and Hawk Woman uh, into this mix, it just overcomplicates it again. Like 
know what? You don't need to put so much frosting on this cake. I I can see where you're coming from, but at the same time, it wasn't too heavy-handed yeah. with it. Like, if you're not familiar with Hawkworld and, like, Hawkwoman and stuff, they do a decent job of just kind of explaining it pretty quick. <laughs> and because it's there and then it's done. Yeah. Um, I think you only had, like, the Hawkworld stuff for maybe, like, what, four... Yeah. Five issues, if that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's just, as if you're a new reader to them, I think you're like, man, this is just weird. Yeah. You know, because honestly, what I loved about 52, it was a great way to get a quick jaunt around the whole DC <clears throat> universe, a great introduction to all the characters, mm-hmm. these characters, all these different facets. And if you're a new DC reader and you're coming in and reading Brightest Day and this is your introduction to Hawkman and Hawkgirl, this is probably the worst introduction to Hawkman and Hawkgirl yeah. you could get. But I'd say, like... John's I, nodding, by, nodding I, yeah, by the way. I, no, I'd agree totally. I Thank wish you. if, like, one of us was here was, like, a huge Hawkman fan mm-hmm. because I'm just assuming if you're, like, a big Hawkman fan, as soon as they go back to Hawkwood, you're probably like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Why did it take that long to do it? But... <sighs> Like for us, like and then, it's just and, kinda and then her mom being the ruler and everything, mm-hmm. and I thought the whole thing like, oh, I can control the, you know, the metal that's in the metal, metal. Like I, I just was kind of like, Ugh. and then they're fighting with the Sar Sapphires and Predator, like all that stuff. It just seemed like, ugh, like that's the stuff. It's the claws of Horus. That's the stuff I was glossing over. Really? Because I, that's I kind of as a Green Lantern fan, that's kind of like. That was a little bit more of a hook because it's like, oh, cool! It makes sense because I mean they, they were, were in the Star Sapphires. I don't even want to call it like their central power battery, but that crystal. Yeah, they were the crystal that was in there. Yeah, so I mean that's kind of one of those little like intermingling mm-hmm. things that I enjoy seeing in the DC universe. Yeah, that's what ties it back to the darkest or blackest night yeah. kind of continuity. Um, and with with fifty two, you follow um, Elongated Man. Around and you think that it's pretty much setting up him to be the new Doctor Fate. You know, we mm-hmm. all talked about it during Fifty Two, and then it's like, nope, screw you guys. And you, but awesome payoff though. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, definitely. That, I think that was a better ending than him becoming Doctor. Oh, exactly. I think so because but, it was just. But I mean, you're like, great. oh, it'd be so cool to have these. We talk, I think we mystery. talked about that like in episode like one or two. Yeah, it was like one of our first ones. I hope it wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was something great. And then you're following Boston Brand around, and it seems like the White Ring mm-hmm. is setting him up to be the, the new, new white entity or whatever. The you know, new guardian. The new guardian. And it and it's not. It's trying to set him up to, hey, you get this chance at life. You need to live it and get mm-hmm. your stuff in order. Have a cheeseburger. Have find your grandfather. <laughs> Enjoy life again. It, it Figure was, out why life is important. Yeah. yeah. And but at the same time, using him as kind of like the... I'm trying to think of how to word this, but making sure everything that's supposed to happen yeah, happens. He's the linchpin. Yes. He's the... Fodder. He's the exposition to the story. Yeah. He's the readers into the rest of the story. And I, I kind of want to go back to the Aquaman stuff a little bit more mm-hmm. because this is what makes me want to read Aquaman when it comes out. It's the Aquaman family that I enjoyed mm-hmm. more so than just Aquaman. It's having Aqualad there, having him have to teach all this stuff to, and teach me also along with that, 
why the oceans are important. Mm. Uh, and Mira's awesome. Yeah. You know, Mira became awesome as soon as she donned a red ring, you know, basically for all of us, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, when we, Atro- we, are, we are all in agreement. When Atrocitus says, I love that woman, I think every fan DCU fanboy said, he's right. Yeah. I yeah. do love Mira. It's, and this is, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for Aquaman now. Mm-hmm. Like, he was handled really well in this series. I was genuinely shocked when they took his hand again. Um, the black she, isn't he used to it by now? The the black mana stuff was great. Yeah, it's yeah. like okay, it's like yeah, he does pose a threat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Just when he slices his people up in his fish market. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know I think the. This story needed to be told just to kind of get Aquaman up to that level. W- mm-hmm. Whether he stays at this level or not, we'll, we'll see in a couple months after you know the book starts coming out. But yeah. I- I'm hoping, like it's it's something I I'm hoping people support it. I'm actually really looking forward to in the new books, like him and Aqualad. Mm-hmm. They almost have kind of the same beginning, and now you have the older version and this younger version. And them trying to work together and teach him and, mm-hmm. and that kind of relationship, which I am looking forward to. And you have kind of this really old soul of Arthur now in a younger body mm-hmm. with his hand. He's been through everything, but he's a young guy again. And and having to, to go through everything, it's, it's interesting and it's something I kind of want to see. Mm-hmm. What I think is so interesting is, is that Aqualad does come from Black uh, Manta. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that he has a dark family pet roots. And that's the one hook, the one twist on the uh, origin story between Aquaman and him. Um, and also he has the cool uh, water weapon powers. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's fun. But, yeah, that Aqua War, awesome. What I'm afraid, though, is that we're not going to get those Aquaman books until we get after Flashpoint where you're going to get those Emperor Aquaman series, that Emperor Aquaman series written by Tony Bedard, who I already said, (laughs) Tony, just stick to drawing, buddy. Because, you know, I want him to become established, Aquaman, the real Aquaman, to become established in the DCU instead of this alternative history Aquaman getting established before we really get to meet the Aquaman that was being presented in this book, Brightest Day. Um, is this a series that you guys will now pick up and trade and reread, or is it you read it, all 24 issues, you, you're done? That's that's interesting because I found myself kind of wondering that mm-hmm. recently because they just started soliciting the hardcovers. Right, for this. they've had the trades come out already. And now I'm kind of like... Is this something that I mm-hmm. would go back to? And I think I would reread it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a tough it's a tough call. The thing this actually made me want to do is go get fifty two and trade and read fifty two. Yeah. Um, because I have I have um, I have almost all the issues, but they're packed away in long boxes. Um, I know one of, a couple of them I lent to somebody, and I didn't get like a couple of the middle ones back. So it's not like. It, it wouldn't kill me, and I wouldn't really care to buy the trades now. But I definitely want... It made me really think back to those books, which right. I really... I did. I loved 52. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is kind of the series that I wish had come out after 52. 52. Mm -hmm. I mean, this owes a lot more to that, I think, than it does to Blackest Night. Um, It could be because you have Jeff Johns heading this up, Mm -hmm. and he was a major player in 52. Um, I I wish DC had been doing something like this all along. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with waiting every other week to get the next issue of something when you have it being handled by writers like the caliber of Pete Tomasi and Jeff Johns. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind there being a couple artists on each issue. Um, and you, when it, if it's the same people working on Hawkman, they're only having to do a couple pages and a couple pages on Aquaman. Like, yeah, having it even change up for one issue when you're just getting a couple panels and it might be drawn a little bit different, it it doesn't take you out of the stories at all. No, mm-hmm. not to cut you off. No, it's okay. I I, I I would definitely be on board if DC did more stuff like this. Yeah. And it's great to have those characters that people love and are clamoring for, but there's no way to have an ongoing series but to have them in a world where it's a it might not be a major event, but it's an event that they're tied into with a bunch of different characters all over mm-hmm. the place coming down. Like that's what was great about fifty two. Like and, and that's what's great about this. Honestly, Paul and I we've talked about this before. We're a fan of those anthology books. You more mm-hmm. so I think than me. And it's nice to, exactly like you say, get those characters in a book, you know, because I wouldn't have bought an Aquaman book before mm-hmm. this. I wouldn't have bought a Martian Manhunter book. I wouldn't have bought Aqualad or Hawk and Dove and Dead mm-hmm. Man. But, you know, you put them all together, charge me three bucks every other week, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. I am definitely more likely to pick up a Dead Man series now in the DCU proper than I've been before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vertigo Dead Man was just... Very different. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even Dead Man. Good. Yeah. It was titled Dead Man. Well, it's funny you bring up bread. Vertigo, though. Funny? Or it's planned. funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. Because I knew we were going to get on this subject eventually. Mm-hmm. But the big payoff for this whole series is the return of Swamp Thing to the DC Universe. Or is it the return or of... Alec Holland. Or... You talk about John both? Constantine. Or John Constantine. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff or happening at the end of this. Constantine. Constantine. Yeah. But everyone says John Constantine, so we'll we'll go with that. We're American. We are. But before we were giving John a hell about yeah. it. <laughs> when don't we Two episodes about, so. later. I'll take it. Um something that they always kind of glossed over. You know, these characters are in their mm-hmm. own worlds. You probably won't be seeing any bleed through mm-hmm. and and here you go and I think it was handled very well mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited to see Swamp Thing back because DC has been even in 52 uh, there was you know what was it uh, when the Spectre what was it uh, Days of Vengeance mm-hmm. where they brought all the mystic characters together they kind of had Swamp Thing there without having Swamp Thing there, with his arm being there, but didn't show all of Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. So it's always seemed that he's been part of the DCU, except they never talked about him. So now that he's completely back into the fold, it just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's something with, um, because of the saga of the Swamp Thing and everything like that, he was tied to Vertigo, I know, for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one convention, somebody asked about Swamp Thing, and Dan DiDio was like, "No, we'd love to get him back. Mm-hmm. You know, we, just, we just can't. We just can't get him." 
So yeah, that wasn't at one convention. That that's was like, like every convention, convention we've ever been to. That's, I just remember it the one time. Yeah, I don't remember a lot, and I remember one time. So, <laughs> so that's something. That's something for me, at least. But uh, I, I am, I'm glad to see Swamp Thing back. I know they tried to do it again in Vertigo, and it was horrible. Um, they try. It was. Uh, they tried to do a miniseries. Um, Swamp Thing's been written off and on. Like Andy Diggle had a shot at it, and I enjoyed his run. On Swamp Thing. That, that wasn't too too long ago. I, I picked up on work. Well, a couple of years ago, Brian K. Vaughn actually did a Swamp Thing miniseries, which that, uh, that might be the one that you're talking about because I read it and it wasn't bad. It's just I didn't have a lot of Swamp Thing knowledge yeah. to go on. That was one of his first comics work, Brian K. Vaughn, yeah. because he talks about him like that's that's the best way to start writing comic books is when you realize that you're on you're on stage right now. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but are you guys going to be likely to pick up a Swamp Thing book if it's put out under the DC banner after this, or well, something you probably hold off on? I think it depends on what they're going to do with it and how mm-hmm. how he's going to interact with DCU. Um, it might be something that I wait and listen to how it goes and maybe pick it up in trade, but it's not something I'm going to buy that first issue unless I'm like, wow, I really want to see what it's doing. It's It's got to be how it's handled. Yeah, well, this isn't like the mystic swamp thing that I'm kind of used to because he is the protector of Earth now. Yeah, this is more based on like that elemental, elemental kind of thing, and I hate elemental things. I think it's a cheap way for storytelling, except for Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> All the time I enjoy uh, elements being played into my uh, into my fiction because you love that movie. <laughs> no, I love that cartoon series from Nickelodeon. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about with the movie. <laughs> you know, you know, I hate it every time they try to explain the Fantastic Four as elemental powers. I'm like, no, cosmic rays. He stretches. It's not because he's like water. She turns invisible. It's not because she's like air. I hate that kind of stuff. Just let it, you know, you don't need to make it into the four elements. It, it's, not, it's, everything. Not a, it's not a big jump to make, though, which is why yeah. I think it gets done so often. And, I mean, well, what did you think of the elemental lines drawn in this with what? Martian Manhunter? Becoming the Earth elemental? Yeah. Not the Martian elemental? <laughs> well, Earth's been his home for... He chose, he chose Earth. Yeah. He did choose Earth. Mm-hmm. And if he chose Mars, would he have become the Mars elemental? Is that what you're telling me? Or well, no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, have been that elemental. And the White Lantern would have been thrown to complete shit. Because he's like, now, what, what, how can I shoehorn this? He's always made his choice to protect his adopted homeland. Mm-hmm. And it's even, I mean, he even made that choice that you can't go into Superman's mind. It's not right. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, you just went into all of our minds. And he was like... It's different. I had to find Superman. Like he made that choice of yeah. These are this is my family, not you. So he chose Earth again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think it's kind of gets shoehorned, and it's like it's just not clever anymore mm-hmm. because it's so overdone. I think, especially in the uh, comic book mythos. So you're, s- you're just sick of seeing people's powers combined. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially since Hart. It doesn't make sense! Hart they, they, had to, they had to have a Puerto Rican kid. Or I South American. Indian. I thought he was... I thought he was... No, he was South, from... South he was, Asia. Yeah, South, South, South Asia. No, he's just South American. Oh, okay. he was from Asia. Yeah, right. and he had, like, the little, like, 
vest and stuff. And he had a monkey. Frenchie. Mati. Mati. Uh, I'm more interested. So th- that's why it's different. It, it's a different Swamp Thing. It's not the Day of Vengeance Swamp Thing. It's not the, you know, he's not going to be showing up with... It's the saga uh, of Swamp Thing. Yeah. And they, I mean, they even make reference mm-hmm. to it. It's a new saga. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's interesting. I don't know if I'll pick it up. And I don't know how John Constantine is going to fit into because they've been DCU has been trying to do that kind of mystic book for mm-hmm. a while now, and it just doesn't work. They just can't get it off. The yeah, they just can't get it to go because they don't try to. They always try to separate it and say, "Oh, mysticism's over in this corner." We don't pay attention to it when Superman's biggest flaw or biggest weakness isn't kryptonite. Magic. It's magic. Yeah. And I think this fear of magic comes from when they started the Silver Age, where they wanted to totally break free from the characters that used magic and go to a science base. And it seems like characters like your uh, like Shazam have kind of been left on the back burner because of that. Yeah, he's always one a character that I mean he's deeply engrossed. I mean the wizard Shazam gives him his mm-hmm. powers. Like he's all magically based, and I think. It's always glossed, not always glossed over, but it's glossed over and people don't even think about it. And people just think, oh, he's just as tough as Superman. That's why when he hits him, it hurts him. It's not because he's magical. You know, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's always something that it almost seems like the magic stuff is always left for the Vertigo books. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's why you have the Zatanna book. You know, she's the one, she's the one character that's always showing up with John Constantine or the, I mean, the books of magic. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have the different magical people, like um, Phantom Stranger. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a DC character, but he gets more play in the Vertigo books. He did show up in Superboy recently. And he shows been... up a lot in um, the Madame Xanadu books, too, at Vertigo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been enjoying the Xantana books, but as I got into it thinking, oh boy... It's Santana, written by Paul Dini, and I loved those two issue that two issues that he did over in Detective Comics, Paul Dini, when he was writing Santana again, and I loved that animated series when he had Santana show up. Just such a good show. Yeah, but um, where she was, you know, she always shows up. She's part of the Justice League. She's DCU proper, and yet even in this Stefan Rue drawn, Paul Dini written. Uh, Series, she's definitely she's in San Francisco, and nobody else from the DC universe is in San Francisco, and I'm afraid that's what's going to happen with Swamp Thing, and it kind of is happening with, uh, but I'm enjoying what's happening with Zombie, because yes. Zombie is so different. Oh yeah, you know it's just so crazy. Even issue two is a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I loved issue two. Um, I still haven't read it. I offered. I know, just kind of. I enjoyed the first one to check it out, but not something. John mm-hmm. and I will keep reading it. Yes, we'll keep yeah. down saying how good it is. We'll talk about it. Feel much free. like we should talk about Doctor Who more often. <laughs> yes, we should. I watched Doctor Who all on uh, May 4th. Nice. You know, because people were saying, may the 4th be with you. You know, because it's Star Wars Day. But I felt sick of that, so I had to go see the Doctor. Mm. So may the fourth be with who? Yeah. Mm. Uh, sorry. It's such a good. I had to go that route. <laughs> I'll watch it eventually. 
It just seems like a Herculean task. No, you just need to watch three episodes of the Christopher Eccleston stuff, then jump in for like a couple issues of the David Tennant, then you're writing the Matt no, Smith, and you're there. The thing is, I, I want to. No. When I get into something, Paul, I try to fully immerse myself in it. Yeah, but there's only twelve episodes per season, plus the Christmas episodes. Which I totally, to I totally love so Christmas 13. stuff. You can watch what three episodes a day, right? And then, uh, maybe. So it should only take you, what, maybe five weeks? Some months? We're still trying to watch Battle, uh, yeah, Battle, Star, Black Battle, Battle Star. How's that going? We haven't watched it in a few days. Hmm. We're good. Yeah. I don't think we watched it at all this week. Mm-mm. We were really heavy in It Crowd. That's true. Mm. And Something else that's really heavy. How about that Thor's Hammer? We know all you. We know all you. Meow meow. Meow meow. I didn't like that. <laughs> Paul said he likes something. Well, that takes us to our movie fix, which is the Marvel Studios Kevin Brana film. Kenneth? Kenneth. What did I say? Kevin. Kevin? Oh, I'm bad. Kenneth Brana. Horrible with names. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thor movie. And, Paul, you actually got out to see this movie fix? With with my wife, and she said uh, Kenneth Brana was uh, yummy. No, is our beer yummy? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I forgot about yeah. the beer. Yeah, yes. I just segued that shit. Another uh, beer from Zetek since 1004 <laughs> is the uh, Dark Lager beer. Um, noted as soon as I poured it, I gave it a whiff. Very much uh, that teriyaki, teriyaki smell. Mm-hmm. But not so much when you taste it, which makes me a little bit. I, still, I mean, yeah, it's not heavy with it, but you do yeah. get that. Yeah. When you smell teriyaki, there's a certain flavor of beer that you expect to get after having so many that kind of smell teriyaki. No. It doesn't taste like teriyaki, but it's definitely... Like that, a syrupy... Uh, but it doesn't feel syrupy. It's got a little smoky. Well, usually, when, smoke, yeah. usually when you get that teriyaki mm-hmm. smell, you get like that just heavy syrup. But it's yeah. not in this one. Yeah, that is that is true, Chris. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. But, but yeah. I think better of the three beers mm-hmm. we've had... But that's not saying much. Yeah. No. That's like being the vote voted the prettiest girl at an ugly convention. Ooh. At a they have convention. those. <laughs> we just don't know about them because we're too good looking. Ah. <laughs> I was invited yesterday to one. Bring um, my wife. <laughs> but um, Thor, because I have nothing to say about this beer. It don't don't buy any of these. No. Yeah, stay away from the Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah. they can't brew good beer. If you're going to buy a beer, buy Brackenridge Breweries. Brackenridge yeah. very good. Uh, Which John said we didn't have. Mm-hmm. We haven't. Um, but it is uh, Breckenridge. Their IPA is our uh, friend of the show, Aaron. One of his favorite beers. And he sent one that Chris and I had. It's very good. And then, next, like two days later, found it. We could buy it up here. Hmm, nice. So. Um, but back to Thor. Back to Thor. It was, I am whelmed by that movie. Not overwhelmed. Not underwhelmed. Just whelmed. I am whelmed. Like Tim Drake. That was exactly what I expected from this movie, where I felt like they had to almost over-explain the Asgard stuff to the detriment of actually putting out an actual story arc for the character. I do think it's kind of like, oh, all of a sudden he's changed. And all, all of a sudden, they're in love. 
just because one character said, I saw the way you guys look at each other, you love each other. I don't ever feel like those two characters actually are in love. I saw, you see the happenings. Yeah, you see the happenings. No, it's mostly told. Like, oh wow, he's got his shirt off and he looks handsome. He did. And that's when Kate said, yeah, he looks handsome. Uh, I mean, you have it, like, when she sees that he's still in town, like, when he's walking into mm-hmm. the pet store. You, like, you see him smile. You see her smile, like, like, oh, he's still here. Oh, ooh, Thor. Yeah, that's called having a crush. That doesn't mean you love... That's not falling in love with somebody. That's having a crush on somebody, you know? That's not quite love. And that's that's well, a problem with movies in general, though. I feel a lot of it, too, though, does stem from the fact that she, or he is literally, like, what she's been looking for, too, though, mm-hmm. in her research. Like, he represents something a little bit more than just, like, oh, it's a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's finally gotten a time to, like, stop and smell the roses. So, like, I mean, he's he's gotten a time where he's not all about battle. He doesn't have these powers yeah. where he's going crazy. He realizes battle isn't just for the glory of it. It is for the protection of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and... Ultimately, he wants to protect her mm-hmm. with just everything he has, which would feel like love. Yeah, but I feel more so that it's kind of told to us, and we don't really... I don't feel like the relationship evolved all that much in the story itself, other than them saying, oh, these two characters are in love now. And it's a two-hour movie... And I feel it's just because there was so much exposition and stuff going on. on well, the it's, it's a busy movie. There's is, a lot of stuff yes. that's happening. Yeah. And I don't know how else they could have done it. Mm-hmm. So it's done well for what it had to do. It did exactly what it had to do, but it didn't do more so. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought all the char- all the actors portrayed it as well as they could have, mm-hmm. other than maybe Volstagg's character who that actor just didn't feel right at all. Was it fat enough? I don't know what it was about him. He he, he just seemed he like he was playing that, the part. He didn't have a lot of that jovialness yeah. to it. Like, you get that Maybe at the it. end when they're mm-hmm. having, like, the big feast. Spoilers! There's a <laughs> feast at the end of the movie, and Volstagg's there, and he's kind of, like, telling the stories, mm-hmm. but it's not too much at the beginning of it, mm-hmm. or when you see him later on. Yeah. And... But I, I I can agree with you on that. Right. I did I did like everyone playing like the Warriors three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the guy that played um, the guy with the goatee and Fandral. Fandral. Yeah. I mean, that guy was just spot on. Like, you mean Raphael from Soul Calibur? <laughs> 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 I'm like, what is Raphael doing this movie? I, I, tap tap tap. Even did they tap 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 attack? I, I couldn't help but think this too when they ever they would show Fandral. I was like, dude, he'd be perfect Green Arrow. Yeah. yeah, like if he ever wants to jump shit to another company, like you've got your green arrow right there. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, the guy looked good. And um, what was I going to say? I, how, how else do you envision the Rainbow Bridge? Like I, yeah, I thought that was just spot on. Exactly. I kind of liked how they did it in uh, Fear itself, number one, where it was more of a mix of colors than the speckled bridge, but. You know, that's like that, that is a perfectly good rainbow bridge. Yeah, I have to say, like all the Asgard stuff handled very well. Mm-hmm. Um, even the uh, oh, I'm blanking out. 
the Jokenheim stuff. Mm-hmm. Really cool, like seeing the Frost Giants. Like, did you not like it, Paul? You're There's, biting your knuckle. Right? Oh, <sighs> that first part though, when they're being chased by the big monster, mm-hmm. it's just so green screen, and I'm I was just sitting there well, cringing that whole that no, whole at the sequence. Same time, though, this is like the first time we've seen a Marvel movie on this scale. Like, we've seen big stuff before, but I don't feel anything that's ever been, I hate using this word because it's overused, nothing this epic. And I think for being, like, that first attempt, especially for someone like... I wouldn't call it epic, I would call it otherworldly. It's... You have frost giants and gods. It is otherworldly, not so much epic, you know. It's pretty big. I I, I agree with Chris on this. Okay. That's fine. I just... Like, you don't see this stuff from any other Marvel movie, especially, like, Kenneth Branagh as a director. Yeah, he's not a visual director, you know? He's mm-hmm. a artistic thespian director. He's Gilroy Lockhart, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but I, I think everything was very well done. Um, I think Chris Hemsworth did really good as Thor, too. Oh, like, Chris Hemsworth. He, he's the one that's yummy. He's yummy. Yeah, he's yummy. Um... <laughs> From the previews, like, I thought he was going to kind of be, like, the worst part of the movie because you don't see a lot of him as Thor. Or him acting. You just see him throwing the hammer. Exactly. And we did so, get quite a bit of hammer throws. You, you get a lot of hammer throws. You get a lot of hammer swinging. But it's all done because of, well... And hammer tornadoing. <laughs> yeah, which I'm glad to see, like, the hammer being spun around. Like, mm-hmm, that was yeah. cool. Like, I'm glad that they actually did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think somebody you definitely have to talk about is Loki. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it? Tim or Tom? Um, Tom Hiddleston. Tom, oh. Tom uh, Hiddleston uh, did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, Loki was written exactly as how Loki should be written. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't the menacing guy doing an evil laugh, which I was afraid of. I, I was kind of worried about that too. Yeah. Because he's very subtle, mm-hmm. and I, I think it was. You could have handled Loki better in a movie. And even at the end, you feel for him because he's like, I just wanted to prove to my father that I am good enough. You know? Yeah. Um, let's kind of go more to the Earth-style things. Natalie Portman could have been anyone in that movie. Yeah. Or anyone could have been. I don't even remember her character's name. I feel bad about that. Don't worry about so it. Pam or something. And that's what I was saying, Josephine. where I didn't feel like those two characters Jane. Jane. fell in love because there wasn't much there. She, she was just very much there to be there. But I think she did okay, but... I liked comparing I, her to... Uh, I, I will say, Natalie Portman may be my Tom Hanks. Yeah. Not a draw for you? <laughs> Not a draw for me. But she's okay. Yeah. She's good. You're mm-hmm. not going to turn away from no. one, but you're not going to be like, oh, i got to see the new Natalie Portman movie. Yes. If that were the case, we all would have saw Black Swan. <laughs> Which I still kind of want to see. But I like comparing and contrasting her to Kate, uh, or to Kat, Kat uh, Denning. 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 Kat Denning's awkwardly hot. I can't. Yeah. I can't explain. Yeah, it. I would frumpy, rather frumpy hot, frumpy hot. Yes, that's what I said. We <laughs> <laughs> left the theater. I would rather uh, wake up next to Cat Denning. I think. Than... I think so. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm in agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a look at um, our Hawkeye. Yes, which uh, I thought was great when we were walking out of the theater. Some kid was like, "What? Hawkeye was in the film? Oh, we're gonna have to go watch it again." And not like a a joking matter. No, he was like. He was talking like, "Yo, you think that think that was a Hawkeye reference?" 
And that's when, like, because we were walking out behind them, and I was like, Do you have a yeah, shot on him, Barton? The fact that they, you know, had him grabbing a bow and arrow, <laughs> Instead and the first one is Clint Barton, <laughs> which is Hawkeye's name. And they go, like, use a gun this time, or something like that, too. Was, like, one like, of the I need a guy up on so, a perch with a gun. With a gun, yeah. And it's, he grabbed the bow, the compact bow, and it's Barton. I was half expecting to make a Circus Boy reference. Now, Paul, that's the kind of stuff you don't like. Because it's too much of a nod to the comic book fans, and it's it kind of distracts from the story that is actually going on. Did, did you mind it in this one? Because it wasn't as heavy-handed as in, like, Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. It wasn't S.H.I.E.L.D., like, Nick Fury, like, eating up five minutes of screen time, or ten minutes of screen time, at you know, at a sitting. It was a little less played. It was tied into the fight scene. And it was tied into the fight scene, but what does he do to that scene? What does he add to that scene? Other than being there, the guy to uh, to have the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. guy, who I'm afraid, Agent... Coulson. Coulson? Um, I was going to call it Casper. But Agent Coulson, uh, be like, no, I want to see this. Like, that's the only reason he's there in that scene. Could it be done any other way? Yeah. Is it nice that you get the fanboy nod? I guess... But unfortunately, but those are those fanboy payoff moments. Yeah. Like those mm-hmm. are where like you're in the seat, like, eh, eh. Yeah. If, if you get it, and you're not like that guy. <laughs> you think that was a Hawkeye reference? A guy with a bow, eh, <laughs> couldn't be. <laughs> what stuff? And he had the post credit scenes too. I didn't stick around. Didn't stick around for that. You didn't stick around for that. I needed a, to get someplace. It's a Marvel movie. I wanted to, except I needed to be someplace. Uh, oh, because there was a moment at the end. It scared the guy in front of us. What, what happened at the end? Well, you can actually watch it on YouTube. But I, don't I, I YouTube. saw it like two weeks before the movie actually came out. Um, Spoiler alert, we're going to spoil the ending credits. You have uh, uh, the doctor that's working with Jane. I can't Dr. think of his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's down like... Because he didn't mention he knew somebody that was working with Bruce... Or he mentioned Bruce Banner, kind of. Gamma radiation. Yeah, working with somebody like, yeah, specialist with gamma rays. You have him kind of down in this kind of workshop kind of area with all these pipes, and he, he runs into Nick Fury, mm-hmm. and he shows him what you could assume is the Cosmic, Cosmic Cube. Cube. And oh. um, and then all of a sudden you see... Wait, the, Nick Fury shows the Doctor, or the Doctor shows the, Nick Fury? Nick Fury shows the Doctor in the briefcase. He's got the Cosmic Cube. Nick Fury has the Cosmic Cube? Nick Fury has the Cosmic Cube. Okay. And then you see Loki, like, reflecting it in the glass. And the guy in front of us goes, <gasps> like, <laughs> he was, like, shocked by him. And then he kind of talks, and the doctor says what Loki says. What does Loki say? So, um, Nick Fury talks about how he's got something, like, something about, like, ultimate power or something. I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact wording of it. And Loki in the reflection says, oh, well, that's worth a look. Mm-hmm. And then you have the doctor saying, oh, well, that's worth a look. And then black. Black. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Thor. Um, after we left, I said to John, it kind of makes me want to read Thor. You know, it did a really good job of boiling down what Thor and Asgard is because it's just so big mm-hmm. that it seems like there's so much stuff to get into, like that series and family of books, mm-hmm. because you've got like Warriors 3, you've got Sif, you've got the Frost Giants. You have all this stuff, and just to kind of jump in, it seems a little overwhelming. Right. But the movie did a really good job of just kind of laying out the groundwork where I feel like I could, you know, pick it up now with <laughs> the knowledge that it gave me and enjoy it. 
Yeah, I I agree. I really enjoyed it. I'm it's it's I it's tough for me to say like oh I think I'll buy this on DVD because I haven't bought a DVD in a while, but I enjoyed it enough that I do really want to see it again. I mean, like the last Hulk movie I saw in the theaters, I've maybe watched like two minutes of it when it's been on TV. Like mm-hmm. I have no interest to see that again. Yeah, Even I, mean, I would see that one again. I like that I, one. I've enjoyed it, but I'm not. I'm not kicking down doors to to see it again. Where Thor, I'm like... That'd be a horrible reason to kick in people's doors, though. It's like, boom, I'm here to watch Incredible Hulk. But I I actually am looking forward to seeing Thor again. Like, I'd like to see it again. I would gladly watch it again. If I could do a movie weekend where I watched all those, the Marvel now entitled movies, Mm -hmm. you know, Iron Man, Thor, Incredible Hulk, I probably would. Uh, would I watch Thor just because I'm like, oh boy, Thor? Well, probably not. I like I, John, but I, I watched Thor before, like the X Men movies. Before X two, most likely, yeah. Wow. No, I would watch X one, X Men, and then X two, X Men United. Well, before eh, Thor, X Men. It's good at the time, but looking back on it... Well, that's because of the budget some, wasn't there. Some cringeworthy moments. Yeah, but this is what happens when the yeah. lightning gets a frog. Yeah. Which Joss Whedon has apologized for that line. Because <laughs> he imagined it being delivered differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that Chris and I thought of tons and tons of reasons why we thought Paul was not going to like it. The love tro- the love angle was not one of them. It was them. not one of them. Well, it wasn't because of the love angle itself. It was just because I thought it was... It needed to be there. It needed to have more time on but, Earth to cultivate, but they didn't yeah. have time to do and that. And that's expected. Yeah. Like, what they had to do with Asgard to set up Asgard, and they kind of shoehorned the Which, Donald I'm, Blake. I'm sorry, we didn't talk about Anthony Hopkins as Odin at all. Because there's Anthony Hopkins. Dude, he... And he's not so much... I Odin. bought him as Odin, though. Like, yeah. when he's just, like, laying into Thor. I bought him as Thor's father. But not so much as Odin. I don't know if that makes... Like, he's definitely a dad in that movie. Mm. But is he the all-father? Dude, when, you know? when you see him like pop in when they're about to be taken yeah, out by the that's frost the giants, that, that's really the only chance you see him being Odin and not a father. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, he spent the rest of the movie in the Odin sleep. <laughs> uh, but I mean, even the the little precursor where he's just kicking ass, destroying frost giants. You know, like you see him be kind of badass. You see him be a warrior, and now like he's also a father, and he's got mm-hmm. that. Father, qual- you know, he's got those father qualities, and he's is that all knowing. Like he knew to send Thor down there to teach Thor a lesson, that kind of stuff. But hmm. didn't see that Loki shit happening. No, <laughs> or did he? Or did he? Who knows? I don't know. Mm. Speaking about well, stuff, how I don't much know. can you expect him to see? He only has one good eye. Ooh, got <laughs> things I don't know about. What are we talking about next week? compliant. That's going to wrap us up for this week. Make sure you tune in next week. We're going to be doing one of our video game discussions. Talking about the video games we've been playing in the past couple months. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a long time. 
And it's been a long time since some Mortal Kombat movies come out. Luckily, luckily, our movie fix are going to be the first five and maybe four, first four, maybe the fifth one if it's released uh, before next week of the Mortal Kombat Legendary, the little online legacy, legacy. legacy. the little online shorts. Brought so, to us by the same person that did that awesome Mortal Kombat fan made trailer, starring starring Jerry Ryan. Yes. Yes. She's also in these, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until then, please check us out over on the iTunes. Just do a simple search for Bagged and Bored, B-O-R-E-D. We need your rating and reviewing us because we're awesome, and other people need to know that. And how else are they going to know if you don't say it? And if you write us a review, I'll read that review on the podcast. We've done it before. Trust your boy. Thank you. Yes. Yes. We still don't know who you are. Ethan Parker. Thank you. Yes. Aaron Hoover. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Mick Gowan, PW. Thank you. We don't know who he is either. He's he's elusive. Whatever happened to Crunchy Artist? I don't know. They need to review us again. They reviewed us before. What the hell? Why wouldn't they review us again? Well, until then, make sure you uh, follow us over on the Facebook, too. Oh, yeah. Like us over at Facebook. Yeah, and check us out. We do all sorts of stuff. We got great art coming. We do. We've seen uh, the beginnings of it. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. I can't wait until we get to redesign that website. I have awesome ideas for that website. I can't I can't wait. Email us, contact at com. That's all I got. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs>